Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel and our podcast as we are talking about the DFS slate for week seven of NFL action. I am Derek Tate. You can find me at Derek Tate NFL on X or formerly known as Twitter. And that is Kyle Sapi. You can find him at Kyle Sapi PFN on X or Twitter. My friend, before we get into our stack attack, quarterback, wide receiver heading into week number seven, how are those fantasy teams doing heading into week seven for you so far this season? We're doing good, man. We teased it last week that with week six came, you know, we had information, but not too much information, not information that everybody has. So you got to be a little creative and it paid off in a big way. We went with the Lions stack. We went with the skinny stack with Adam Thielen. Things are starting to work out, starting to, you know, kind of get into that sweet spot. We're trying to cash in big again in week seven. And I think we've got a few ways of doing it. I'm going with the old Dante Culpepper, getting it rolling oh, like just a yeah, little yeah. bit. Just it's slow roll, slow roll, but we're building up steam. So speaking of steam, we want to go ahead and come out firing. Every one of these episodes, we want to have our quarterback wide receiver stack or quarterback wide, wide receiver wide receiver stack. Is there anyone that really stands out to you with six teams on a bye heading into the week seven slate? Six teams on a bye, but that's not all. We've got three elite offenses just completely off the main slate. You've got the Eagles and Dolphins playing in primetime and then the 49ers on Monday night. So those are three offenses you're not going to have access to on top of six teams on a bye. So, and then, you know, I like the Jags. They play tonight, so they're not on the main slate. You've got a lot of options missing. So I think you can, I don't think there's really going to be a chalk build this week because there are so many options. A lot of people are going to go to the Chiefs Chargers game and I don't blame them. But if that game falls flat, this thing is wide open to get as crazy, as creative as you want to. So that's why I'm going to LA. I'm going with the Rams triple stack. Give me Stafford, Cup, Nakua. I mean, 71% of the targets over the last two weeks have gone to one of those two guys. There's no rushing upside in Stafford, so you don't have to worry about him subtracting there. So anything he does through the air is essentially going through these two. And then you're talking against the Steelers defense, which is fine. They're not bad, but they're a top five pressure and blitz unit. To me, that means you're looking at a lot of first reads, maybe second reads if you get there. And those are the only two reads in this offense. Everything funnels through those two. Kyron Williams is out, so that's one less thing to worry about as far as how the Rams get there. If they're in close, I don't have to worry about Kyron Williams siphoning away two scores like he's done three times this season. So to me, this is Nakua. This is Cup. This is Stafford. You get there with the 300-yard the bonus for Stafford. At least one of the receivers hopefully hits 100. And if not both, maybe the other one scores. I think you've got enough volume, especially on DraftKings where it's PPR. You're looking at... I mean, would it be crazy if they caught 18 or 20 passes between the two of them? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's where I'm building around those three this week. So I, when we were building this show, Doc, and I saw that you went with that triple stack, I went, dadgummit, because that's the one that I wanted. You took it from me, Sapi. You took it from me. But so I'm going to give this my stamp of approval strictly because you mentioned the pressure rate. There are some concerns. Maybe that offensive line is going to give up some pressures, maybe some sacks against two Matthew Stafford. And depending on if they find themselves in third and long on a consistent basis because they can't establish any sort of running game, whether it's Zach Evans, whether it's Royce Freeman, whether it's Miles Gaskin, we, we really don't know how that backfield is going to shake out quite yet. But the point is, is if they're not able to rely on the running game like they were against the Arizona Cardinals and Matthew Stafford is having to drop back 40, 50 times oh, yeah. to generate yeah. offense, we're talking about 
Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, guys that are uh, not only one able to win at the line of scrimmage, get separation in and out of their breaks, but they both understand how to dice up zone defenses and be an available quick option to their quarterback. Surgical. I love that pick. Uh, I'm all on board with the triple stack, in particular with this weird Sunday slate that we have. So I'm going to go ahead and pivot a little bit. I'm going to stay away from that Chargers lost uh chiefs game and i'm going to go with geno smith and tyler lockett at home against the arizona cardinals we need to keep an eye on dk metcalf uh the guy's been you know just battling all season long with yeah. rib injuries he's been fighting through it uh, i do think that it's had a little bit of an impact on his numbers but we saw a season high yardage total from tyler lockett six receptions on eight targets and this Arizona secondary is capable of giving up some big performances through the air. Although I don't see it being a super high game or high scoring game soppy, which maybe you can make the case the same thing for the, the Rams and the Steelers, even though mm -hmm. I think the Rams offense is a little bit more well set up to put up some points against the Steelers. I do still think the Seahawks can get theirs through the air, even if it, they do most of their damage in the first half. And I think Tyler Lockett, if DK Metcalf, is either limited or unavailable altogether for this contest. I do see Tyler Lockett having his best game of the entire 2023 season. I mean, we've both been in this industry long enough to know not to doubt Tyler Lockett at this point. So I, you're never going to get me to say bad words about him. I do worry about Kenneth Walker in a stack like that, just how good and productive yep. he's been. But that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he could get him all the way down there, and it's Geno to lock it in the red zone with one of those little flare screens from five yards out, and that's paying off if you stack them. So I don't mind that at all. I am prioritizing the Rams over the Seahawks this week, but no yeah. issue in that direction. Me too. Me too. Mr. Tyler, Tyler Lockett. All right. As we're, you know, using, you know, Davy Crockett references, moving on to the running back that you want to stack with the Los Angeles Rams or the Seattle Seahawks uh, group of quarterback and pass catchers. Uh, is there anybody that really stands out for this week seven slate? I would love to get Roshan Johnson back. Your guy, Roshan Johnson. I don't think Foreman's really all that good. So if Johnson's in there at this price tag, he is a must play for me against the Raiders defense, it's 21st in yards per carry against and 29th in red zone defense. But as of right now, as of taping, he's not practicing. So we need to kind of pivot off of that. And if he comes back, a lot of things in this lineup work. If not, we can still make it work. I'm Jalen Warren. I think this could be a good spot for him. You get the bring back. If I think the Rams are going to go bonkers on one side. The pass catching option in Pittsburgh is certainly an option. He's pacing right now for 71 catches. That puts him on pace with only three running backs from last season. Najee Harris isn't it. He's just not it. He's got one game this season with more than 10 feet receiving. Yes, I said feet, Derek, not yards, 10 feet of receiving yards. So if this game goes the way I'm hoping and the Rams are piling up points, Jalen Warren is a good value at this price in a PPR format where he could get five or six catches, give him his eight to 10 carries. To me, that's enough to get there at this price point, saves you some money, and you, you invest in the same game. So that's the way I'm going if Roshan can't play. Leave it to Sapi to make me do math and have to convert to a different numerical metric uh, just to make sure that I'm like, okay, 10 feet, that means less than three yards. Okay, gotcha, 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 Over gotcha. Over three With yards. Or sorry, my apologies. <laughs> See what I mean? You're confusing me. No, I'm kidding. Um, so for me, it's, this one's pretty simple. Aaron Jones, 
I believe that the team, the organization made a, a conscious decision to give him extra time to get fully healthy because he didn't look right against the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions when he appeared on Thursday night football. And they had that week five contest. I believe it was against the Raiders. They said, eh, OK, well, we're just going to go ahead and give him an extra week, make sure that he's as fully healthy as humanly possible coming out of the bye week. So I think we're going to see a fully available Aaron Jones against the Denver Broncos defense that I don't want to keep pounding the pounding the table, but they have, even though they were a little bit better against the Kansas city chiefs, they have been historically bad (laughs) and allowed a lot of fantasy points. I believe an average of 37 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. So I'm, I'm making this one pretty simple. The green Bay Packers offense, I think how they get back on track is by getting a dynamic all purpose back the ball early and often against a defense that has been struggling all season against opposing running backs. So I'm with, you, I'm with you there. And don't sleep on the idea that they get an extra week to get to adjust to the altitude. Not a bad thing when going to Denver. Absolutely. So <clears throat> speaking of which I'm going to be talking a lot here, even though I'm, you know, have a little bit of a tickle in my throat. So go ahead and hang with me here. But if this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel. If that's how you're catching this DFS podcast, go ahead and hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our fantasy football content that we're going to be dropping throughout the 2023 season to infinity and beyond. Once we get through the 2023 season and we're, we've seen a lot of growth, we really appreciate all the love and support. If you're tuning into this podcast via the audio version so you don't have to stare at my ugly face for 30 minutes, that's a good option too. But go ahead and rate and review the podcast. We love any five-star reviews that we get. It really helps uh, us grow the podcast moving forward. So also, if you have not yet done so, go to profootballnetwork.com. Check out our DFS optimizer. Check out our fantasy trade analyzer. Check out our start set optimizer. These are all free tools that help you dominate your fantasy football league on a week-in, week-out basis. But we've also got another promotion, and, and you really need to check this out. Player prop players, you need to listen up because the NFL is back, of course, and Superdraft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Imagine this. Look, Patrick Mahomes' current passing yardage prop is set at just half a yard. How many How many feet is that, Soppy? That's, I mean, half a yard. That's a foot and a half. <laughs> There we go. There we go. We're converting it to feet for you. If he throws for a single yard, so three feet against the Los Angeles Chargers, you're a winner. But wait, there's more. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of 20 or more dollars when you use the promo code PFN. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to smash a winning player prop entry and claim your free play and bonus today. Okay, so I got through that without coughing. Fantastic. So now it's time to move on to other quarterbacks that we like. So we already talked about, and this is a limited slate. So we've got Matthew Stafford. We talked about Geno Smith. Is there anybody else, Soppy, that really stands out to you in this player pool at the quarterback position? I think Jordan Love's interesting. You touched on everything right about targeting the Broncos. If you want to do it by way of Aaron Jones, fine. If you want to do it by way of Jordan Love with finally a healthy set of playmakers by his side, I'm fine with that. So we'll move on past that. You already touched everything. The Broncos are terrible. We get it. Patrick Mahomes at the way tippy top of the board. There aren't a lot of elite options. We we talked about the guys off this slate. I mean, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's got 25 rushing yards in five of six games. Averaged over eight yards per pass attempt against these Chargers a season ago with five touchdowns and no interceptions. You're not going to get me to say bad things about Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to be chalky. So there's that. You got to differentiate elsewhere. But Patrick Mahomes, a fine option at the top of the board. If you want to go down a little bit, Sam Howell against the Giants. We've been talking about Howell for a while now. He's not 
super sexy when it comes to upside or anything like that but the floor is certainly there he's got a multiple he's got has multiple touchdowns or at least four fantasy points on the ground in five of six games this week or this season I don't see any reason that changes against a civ defense like the Giants give me Sam Howell if you're paying down at the position speaking of paying down at the position and I, I I'm on board with everybody you just mentioned now I want to bring this up and I don't want people to throw anything at me but Desmond Ritter Look, we're paying down. If we are paying down, I know E, I get it. I understand. Look, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not gonna be the one that sits here and, and pounds the table. Oh, Desmond Ritter's playing great. Look, he threw three interceptions last week. And yes, he threw for but he threw for over 300 yards in two consecutive games, and he's mm-hmm. going up against a Tampa Bay Buccaneer secondary that is capable of giving up big chunk plays through the air. So in this man, and they're going to be down in Tampa Bay. I'm not really as concerned about the weather. I think it could be a little bit of an up and down game between these two teams. Of course, it could be a divisional matchup where both defenses are featured. That's a possibility too. But again, with limited options, if you want to go against the chalk, I do think that Ritter with his recent performances is somebody that you could consider and even stacking him at a very reasonable price. If you want to go with some of the other elite options, whether it be a tight end with Travis Kelsey or at the running back position, I I give me your thoughts on Desmond Ritter. I know you're probably going to say what in the world is wrong with you. And I don't blame you for that soppy, but again, the price points is the only thing I'm trying to point out. I get the angle. Maybe he's not a bad cash play. If you want to go that direction and pay up for some stars elsewhere, that way, if he just gets a decent floor game, you kind of get there. My question for you would be, who would you stack him with? You mentioned potentially going that route. There's a few options. Which way would you go? I, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I have a hard time thinking you're triple stacking it. So if you have to pick one between Pitts, Janu, and Drake London, who are you going with? It's Drake London. It's okay. Drake London. I mean, we, we saw, I thought, Levante David do what Levante David does pretty well against Sam Laporta. I'm not saying he's the only reason that Laporta put up a, a pretty disappointing stat line, but... You know, Levante David is certainly one of the better cover linebackers in the NFL. Still believe in in some of the safety play that they have there in Tampa Bay as well. They got decent corners, but again, they've been traditionally pretty stout against opposing running attacks. You need to keep an eye on Vita Vea, though, and his health heading into this contest. Yep. Um, because if Vita Vea is unavailable, could they have a little bit more success running the football against the Buccaneers? They could. But if the Buccaneers are stout against the against the run like they've been for you know the majority of the last five years then it could force Desmond Ritter to try to beat the Buccaneers through the air which I do think that Drake London who has seen 21 targets and 15 receptions and you know his first 100 yard performance of the 2023 season coming last week I do think that Drake London could have another nice stat line in particular he's always got a little bit of touchdown upside because he's just got such a great red zone profile when they get down close it just doesn't happen very often but (laughs) that would be my pick would definitely be Drake London Uh, I'm not going anywhere near the the dual tight end stack with John O. Smith and Kyle Pitts so um but Moving on to the wide receiver position. So I already mentioned the Tater special. It was going to be Drake London against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, who else do you have amongst this player pool that really stands out in the Week 7 slate? Yeah, we've got some soppy Tater agreement here. I mean, I had Tyler Lockett penciled in, and you, you're stacking him at the top. So I, I'm not going to double down on that. No problem with going Tyler Lockett. The weird but true fact of the week is that DK Metcalf averages five yards a target for his career against the Cardinals. Now, I don't know if that's telling a story, I don't know if it's predictive at all, but it is a weird trend to keep in mind. So that just points more toward the way of your guy, Tyler Lockett, this week. If I'm if I'm 
going for if I'm swinging a little bit Gabe Davis saw 17 targets against the Patriots in two games last season he scored in three of his last four against the Pats could he get there we saw it kind of rubber band last week we know he had this scoring streak four in a row prior to last week and then 21 yards and it's a stinker and his price drops and everybody gets off of him that's when you buy you don't buy at the peak of the mountain when it comes to Gabe Davis you buy when the stock is low to me that's an option against an overmatched Patriots team listen we know Josh Allen's banged up and he's already not running much as it is, so maybe that results in 35, 40 pass attempts. And if even in a low-volume game, the low-volume style that Davis plays, you could be looking at six or seven targets. You can't tell me that one of those doesn't go for a big play. But when it comes to building out a lineup, I'm going with a mini stack here, two receivers in the same game to be a little unique. I'm going Rasheed Rice and Josh Palmer in that Chief Ooh. Chargers game that we think is going to be popular, but I think a lot of people are going to have the quarterbacks in that game. I'm just siphoning off a single receiver from both ends and trying to get exposure to this game that way instead of overdoing it. Rice, we both think, is going to be the wide receiver one in Kansas City sooner rather than later. This game's flirting with a total of 50. You're telling me I get the wide receiver one under Patrick Mahomes in a spot like that. Sign me up every day, especially at this price. And for Palmer, I mean, he's got at least seven targets in three straight games. We saw a few catches called back last week because of penalties whatever so it doesn't show on the final stat line but he was getting open he's getting looks Justin Herbert getting him the rock Austin Eckler back in the mix demanding looks spreading defenses thin between him and Keenan Allen and it seems like Quentin Johnston not ready to be a thing right now so the number two option in an offense that we think gets going up and down I'm going with Rice and Palmer saving some money that way so that I can afford my Ram stack See, I, I'm, so all the picks you just made, obviously, I agree with the Tyler Lockett one, the Rasheed Rice, you know, getting a piece of these two offenses and in, in what Vegas has is a very high scoring contest makes a whole lot of sense. And Joshua Palmer has been the clear cut number two. His role yeah. has expanded, not Quentin Johnston's. And I, I, I was waiting potentially coming out of the Chargers by are they going to use this exactly. week to go ahead and get Quentin Johnston you know at least a package or involved and he lost snaps to Keelan Doss it's not just Joshua Palmer mm-hmm. he it feels like he's buried on this depth chart right now he's a kind of a raw prospect profile that I think is going to you know have to be a work in progress until we see something on the field where he's involved heavily I think the number two role is Joshua Palmer's oh, yeah. to lose. So I'm totally with you with Joshua Palmer. Like, love what we've seen from Rasheed Rice. And then when it comes to Gabe Davis, what does one thing that Bill Belichick generally try to do against opposing offenses? He tries to take away their top option, which Stefan Diggs is the clear alpha in that room. Keep an eye on Josh Allen's injury too, but... Assuming Josh Allen is available against the Patriots, I could see Gabe Davis being the beneficiary of, you know, not as much attention as Stefan Diggs gets. I think, and like you said, buying the dip, uh, ride the roller coaster, it dropped down, go ahead and get Gabe Davis, uh, get a piece of him in your DFS lineup. So let's move to the running back position. Again, another odd week (laughs) i mean very unique week uh with this specific slate i know you already mentioned jalen warren as one of your options is there what other backs kind of stand out on this sunday slate that we can go ahead and kind of plug and play in our lineups if you want to fade the pass game i think there's definitely a route to go isaiah pacheco and just 
skirt all the people that are playing Mahomes because if you're playing Mahomes, odds are pretty good that you're probably not playing Pacheco. So you get leverage on those teams. Let's say Pacheco punches in a couple of scores. That's points off of the board for a guy like Mahomes and you gain on the field there. I mean, we've seen Pacheco with at least 15 carries in four straight games and a career high six catches last week. The versatility is there. There's really no threat in this offense to challenge him for work. And if we think this game gets up and gets going, maybe they try to control the ball, keep the Chargers off the field. We know that Chargers run defense can be had. I get that they looked better last week, but it is what it is. You get Andy Reid on a long week against a Chargers defense that struggles on a short week. To me, that's an equation that you have to have a chief in your lineup, whether it's Rice, like I mentioned before, or you want to fade the pass game and go Pacheco. He's an option. But I think the interesting play this week is Jonathan Taylor. And he's an interesting play for a variety of reasons. One, because we don't know exactly what his role is. But two, because he's going against the Cleveland Browns, who we just saw dominate the San Francisco 49ers. They're the best defense on planet Earth right now, and I'm not denying that. I'm not saying that Indy's going to roll up 30 points on them and they're going to solve the Browns or anything like that. But to me, you have Taylor and Moss priced around the same point. So you get a significant discount over what we think Jonathan Taylor can be, and he's trending up. I mean... We saw it last week. It was basically a 50-50 split, which doesn't sound great, but you're forgetting that Zach Moss was coming off of a career game. So off of the best game of his life, they're like, nah, forget that. We're, we're getting Jonathan Taylor back into the role we want him in, and they brought him in. So if you can get Jonathan Taylor somewhere in the range of 16 to 18 touches at this price point in an offense that saw running backs account for one-third of the receptions last week, you're talking potential 15 right. carries. You're talking potential five catches. You're talking a goal line roll that could see him score, even if Indy's not putting up a ton of points. If he gets that touchdown and 100 total yards and nobody's playing him because of the matchup and the price point, to me, Jonathan Taylor had a very interesting play this week. Yeah, I, Look, I great pitch. Great pitch. I love it. <laughs> I just... But that matchup is one that scares yeah. the living bejesus out of me. It does. And sure. the way that Gardner Minshew played, I understand he was now the, the encouraging thing that that is very, very, very uh, relevant is how much he was targeting running backs in the passing game. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that part I, I love seeing because the, I don't think that that really existed with Anthony Richardson under center. So that that part actually moving forward bodes well for for Jonathan Taylor. Again, the matchup, I get it. If you want to roll the dice with Jonathan Taylor, of course, he's a dynamic talent that appears to be getting up to speed. And eventually he is, is, is it going to be, you want to be a week ahead so. and take, yeah. <laughs> take the price point when the backfield inevitably does go back to Jonathan Taylor on a full-time basis. I, I just, I'm, I don't want to mess with this Cleveland Browns defense. In fact, oh the running back on the other side with Kareem Hunt now dealing with a thigh injury, Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford had, what was it, 18 carries last week. You know, he had his most efficient day as the starting running back uh, for the Cleveland Browns. This team, it's already kind of come out that Deshaun Watson, is his shoulder injury is a little bit more serious than we originally anticipated so i wouldn't be surprised uh you know when we see uh, if we see pj walker under center this team's going to want to run in the football they're going to want to lean on their defense i think they are going to be able to turn over gardner Minshew, and i think that that's going to create a game script that's going to be you know pretty pretty low scoring but it favors a cleveland browns running back room that wants to run the ball and Ford is certainly capable of popping big plays. We saw two rushing touchdowns from Travis Etienne against this Indianapolis defense. I know you're not a big Ford guy, 
But I, I do think that this week is a week in a game script that could really benefit Ford. And his price point is pre- pretty darn reasonable. Another guy I wanted to bring up, Jaleel McLaughlin against the Green Bay Packers. I think he's the – I I liked what I saw from Javante Williams, but also he has got a matchup that can exploit against a Green Bay defense that has given up big performances to running backs this season. Cough, cough, David Montgomery. So – Saw it. McLaughlin and and Jerome Ford are both two running backs on this slate. I love their price points and love their potential outlook heading into this week. Yeah, it saves you a bunch of money. And uh, just to keep things moving here, if you want to go Ford, I don't mind stacking him with the Browns defense. If you if you're out on my pitch with Jonathan Taylor doing things, this Browns defense remains underpriced for being the best unit in the league. They hit quarterbacks on over 17% of dropbacks. They're the only defense what? above 14%. Like it's not close. This defense is as good as it gets. Indy threw a pass on 11 of their first 15 plays last week. That tells me they're kind of confident in what Minshew can do. If you really want to get funky, I don't mind playing Jonathan Taylor and having the Browns defense, understanding that Jonathan Taylor can get his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could get his, and the Browns can still get there because they can get sacks. They can get turnovers. If Jonathan Taylor gets 100 total yards and scores, that doesn't mean this Browns defense had a bad day. And if Gardner Minshew's dropping back to throw 45 times again, like, there's an avenue for both to work, and that would be a very unique lineup construction. I'm not saying it's a lock, or I'm not even saying I'm going to do it, but there's it. a route There's a route in which you could get there. The defense I'm playing this week, Ravens over the Lions. They get them at home, which obviously we know the Lions play better when they're at their place than on the road, even though we saw them light up your bucks last week. The Ravens defense at least five fantasy points in every game this season, and you're talking no David Montgomery, or at least likely no David Montgomery, for Jared Goff and company, his worst passer rating, his worst QBR game this season came at home without David Montgomery. I think there could be some struggles there. If they can't establish the run and you're giving me 40 golf drop, golf drop backs on the road against the second best <laughs> yards per play defense in the world, to me, the Ravens are a great buy. I, I hope they're not chalky. I'm going that direction in a lot of lineups this week. Yeah. I just I'm so encouraged by what I've seen by Jared Goff this season. Sure. And now look, the number the numbers though, I think the Ravens are the stingiest unit as far as giving up fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think it's like at like 10 points or something crazy like that. They've been very 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 stout. So I I understand the play. I'm just I don't want to pick on Jared Goff right now. I'd rather pick on Daniel Jones or Terod Taylor uh with the commander's defense, which look, they've been susceptible to giving up huge performances through the air, but who on the giants is going to be able to capitalize on that vulnerability? Is it Darius Slayton? I mean, yeah, Darius Slayton had his best game. So did Wandale Robinson, but whether it's Jones or whether it's Taylor under center, do we really believe that they're going to be able to gash this defense through the air? I don't. So I think the Washington Commanders defense, in particular if Daniel Jones plays because that offensive line has had issues, they've given up a lot of sacks, and you're talking about a quarterback that can turn the ball over and maybe this turns into a low-scoring mess of a game, I could see the Commanders, because of how their defense is constructed and the weaknesses and deficiencies on the offensive side of the football, 
is a bad matchup for the Giants in this one. So I, I, I'm just, I, I understand your thought process for the Browns and Ravens defenses. They're both very talented units and certainly playing better ball than the commander's defense. But I'm just, I want to pick on the oh, offense wow. that is not very good right now. <laughs> so, um, but let's revolve back around and wrap it up with the tight end position. Who do you got this week? Yeah, I think there's a few options at the tight end position here. You mentioned Sam Laporta coming off of the dud game, and that happens. Listen, it does, and I just gave you the spiel on the Ravens' defense, so I think they're going to be successful. But Sam Laporta is as valuable as any tight end in the game right now outside of Travis Kelsey. I mean, you're talking he's got a 30-yard catch or double-digit targets in four straight games, and he's the secondary option. I understand that Jamison Williams scored last week. That's great. We don't know that he can earn targets. In fact, I think we know right now that he can't earn targets at the NFL level. That puts Sam Laporta in a spot where I think they're going to be playing from behind. It's another 7-9 to nine target game. Sam Laporta, a fine option here. And I know we've been beating the drum on the Packers. I'm going to go back to your guy, Luke Musgrave. Here he's clearly healthy at an efficient day before the bye. Should be plenty efficient coming out of it with Christian Watson threatening the, the Broncos down the field. Aaron Jones... Going side to side, to me, that leaves a lot of the middle field, middle of the field open for Luke Musgrave to get his. I'm not saying he's going to challenge Travis Kelsey or Sam Laporta or anything like that, but if he goes five for 50, five for 60, something along those lines, he's more than paying off this price tag. Yeah, if in particular, when it comes to Luke Musgrave, if the Green Bay Packers are able to find success running the football, it's going to set up play action, which we know Matt LaFleur does like to dial up a lot of play action passes. That makes things a lot easier for a young quarterback and certainly could capitalize on a tight end that has a plus level matchup and has been given they're actually giving up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season so not only the Denver Broncos struggling against running backs they're also struggling against tight ends so I do think that Luke Musgrave is a, a definitely a solid play for this slate one other one I want to keep an eye on though another rookie tight end Michael Mayer okay. And his his price point is great. Now, the the problem is, is that we don't know or probably don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be available for this game. So that's where you're taking the risk because you're paying significantly down at the tight end position. I'd rather go with the other two options that you have. But if you go with some other expensive options and you have to go really far Mm -hmm. down the tight end rankings, we did see some encouraging things from Michael Mayer last week and his sna- his snap count, his target count, his receptions, they all trending in the right direction, Sapi. And this this young man is definitely a very capable pass-catching tight end prospect coming out of Notre Dame, and we're starting to see his role expand in this offense. So, it, you know, the only unfortunate thing that I can't sell you on, I'm not going to try to sell you on Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell right now. That's just part of the risk that's going to come with his price point but there were some encouraging signs that are trending in the right direction for Michael Mayer so any hot takes of the week uh this is always one of my sneaky favorite parts of the DFS episode what's your hot take of the week well I'm with you on Michael Mayer I think that's a great pay down option even if our guy Axel Hoyer call him by his birth name Axel Hoyer is under center I have no problems with that my hot take isn't super spicy this week I think Patrick Patrick Mahomes single-handedly holds the keys to this entire slate with all these guys on by you're talking Tia Tua and Hertz are off the main slate completely even though not being on by and that means guys like Tyreek Waddle AJ Brown Devonta Smith Goddard Kittle CMC you get the idea all these high-priced guys 
They, we would normally pay up. That's where we're saving our money to go. They're all off the main slate besides Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So Mahomes, to me, carries all the water in this in this week. If you think he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Patty Football, the guy that leads the Chiefs to 35 points, you have to roster him and stack him. If not, you have to completely fade him. To me, there's no middle ground. He's either winning and breaking this slate or you're paying down and you're winning with somebody like Matthew Stafford or Jordan Love or somebody like that. So to me, you have to be fully in or fully out of the Mahomes business. I'm going to be out this week, even though I think he can have success. All right. I like that. My spot, spicy take is that Mr. Zay Flowers finds the end zone for a second straight game. Uh, look, I, this kid is so talented. So and if he can just, you know, drop the case, uh, you know, get the case of the dropsies out of his system. Uh, he looked he looked good last week. It wasn't great, but, it you know, the, this Ravens offense feels like it's on the cusp of being able to, you know, explode for a game. And we've seen at Detroit in the past, uh, or excuse me, uh, against Detroit, they've had, in the past, they've had some trouble slowing down opposing passing attacks. I do think that there are capabilities to not only for Zay Flowers to do plenty of work in this short to intermediate range, yards after the catch, yada, yada, yada. But once they get on the same page, going vertical, the plays are there to be had. There is a monster day on the horizon for Zay Flowers. And going up against a Detroit offense and a Detroit team that is red hot right now, I think the Ravens are going to have to bring their A game. I see a big day for Zay Flowers because I they, the Detroit Lions are actually the best team in the league against opposing fantasy backs. They're only giving up like 10.1 fantasy points per game. I think it's a much bigger day through the air for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, say Flowers, let's go. That'll do it for this episode of the DFS pod here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. Again, if you have not yet done so, go ahead, hit the like button, pay homage to Lord Algorithm, subscribe to the YouTube channel, click the bell so you get a little ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new bit of content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. If you're listening via podcast, of course, subscribe, rate, review our podcast. We really appreciate all the love and support. Again, there are so many tools over at profootballnetwork.com. We have all kinds of written content that we're providing on a daily basis with injury updates, weekly rankings, sleepers, start, sit, all of the above is available to you at profootballnetwork.com for free. And speaking of free, the DFS optimizer, fantasy trade analyzer, and the start set optimizer are also free tools that you can use to help dominate your fantasy football league. That's Kyle Soppy. I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, everybody, later, says the tape.